0: The Bible, we have them on the tables for you this morning. It should be page 750. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture with you. We're going to read from verse 9 to verse 17. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, and this is what he says. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands. And remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one in this that he would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead I've called you friends because everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then, my, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name, and this is my command, to love one another. And so it, that, that text is right around that core text that we always talk about, and I think right there, which is um, uh, 13, where it says, greater love has no one in this. But all around that, he's talking about Being in his love, in his love, our rootedness in what we're called to do and who we're called to be. I I think for many of us, we think of of a hero. You know, that that verse is right in the middle where you say, you know, that's the greatest love to lay down your life for a friend. But we think of a hero, we think of, uh, I always wanted to be Superman, you know. I still think I want to be Superman, to be honest with you. I do. I'm, I'm not saying that like, I mean, I think I want to be the guy who sees a bad thing happening, then runs off and hides for a minute, tears off his clothes. I apologize for the image. I'm just saying. and That's why I wear these snap shirts and then run back out and save the day. You know what I mean? Superman. That's what we, we, we want to do. And I think often th- this gets us in trouble. We believe that we can somehow manifest of our own strength, the power to save the world with our chest stuck out. We're gonna do this. But the truth is that scripture teaches us that any heroism we have is rooted deeply in the love of Christ. And here's the truth. While it might not be a quick costume change and it might not be you flying in at the last minute to punch the bad guy in the mouth, it'll be a more subtle, than that but the difference the impact is eternal it's an eternal impact because we are called as followers of jesus to be everyday heroes to not do the 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 glamorous you know what i mean to not always be that guy and it's, it's funny you know think about the costume it's a red cape with the blue leotard i mean it's ridiculous with an s you could only wear that if you came from another planet but there's something in us, and we're like, yeah, I'll be that guy. But Jesus calls ordinary people to do extraordinary things. In this passage in John, he, he's talking to us about remaining in his love, being steadfast in his commands to love one another, to lay down our lives for our friends. And I want to walk through kind of three, three um, thoughts, I guess, about heroes and, uh, and what we're called to do as heroes And the first is this, everyday heroes, like the Jesus disciple-making heroes, are heroes every day. And that sounds silly, but no, it's like, but it's just, it's normal. I love something about the church that we celebrate high seasons, we call it, right? We celebrate Easter and Christmas, and y'all know those are about being Christian, right? But the truth is that for the church, 80 to 90% of the calendar is called ordinary time. And guess what? We're called to be Christians during all that time as well. It's ordinary. It's every day. I'll share a scripture with you this morning. It comes from the Gospel of Luke. And this is what it says. Jesus is teaching and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must do these things. He must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Because whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. You see, he's telling us there's three things that we're called to do every day, and I don't know that we do them well. I mean, I think that too often, you know, my my rootedness and heroism is about selfishness, not selflessness. I think that the call is to to be a spectacle, to be spectacular. to to perform well, to be stronger than anything else. And Jesus' commands to his disciples is to deny yourselves every day. He teaches this idea of taking up your cross every day before he goes to Golgotha. You know, someone this week said something to me that was remarkable. They said, can you imagine Jesus seeing all the crucifixions and knowing what was coming for him. It wasn't like it was a strange concept to him bearing a cross. He knew what it meant. And here we have him teaching before Golgotha, he's teaching to deny yourselves and take up your cross every day. What what do the disciples hear in that command? And then the simple words which he finishes with, which he starts with, which is follow him. Every day, we talked about this cross we have here in our uh, sanctuary, and um, when we were talking about what we should do, should we have a cross, and what are people going to think about a cross, and is it, you know, going to even mean anything? And we we said, you know. if we build one let's build one big enough to be crucified on because that puts things in perspective I remember one time we have a cross out in front of our house for Easter and I remember one time at our old house my son stood up there and he stood on a rock and he tried to balance himself and he was trying to see fit and Jesus tells his disciples every day deny yourselves and take up your cross and follow me so we're called to be heroes in the kingdom of God we're called to do it every day And I know for many of us, that's a hard thing because you can go, I can do the superhero thing for a while. I can fly in and say the day once in a while, but if you're going to ask me to bear a burden every day, I don't know if I can do that. If you're going to ask me to give up myself every day, I don't know if I'm going to do that. See, here's the striking thing about a holiday like Memorial Day. When you think about those who have given their lives they've lost their life they've paid the ultimate price what we don't think about are all the soldiers who do it every day right who don't get the hero's welcome who come home and they have a mortgage and they have you know a marriage and, and they have children and they have responsibilities but there's something in this everydayness this ordinariness that is heroic And as followers of Jesus, we are called to be part of that, to be part of that work. So I don't know what it is for you, you know. Because I know for me, I I don't know, you know, we just pray that God would relieve it, that he wouldn't make us bear it anymore. But I'm wondering if if that's his plan for us, if we shouldn't say, no, you know, like Paul, I have this thorn in my flesh, but I'll take it because God can overcome all things. We're called to follow him every day to do these things every day. The second thing I want to talk about this morning is uh, everyday heroes are uh, they make the ordinary extraordinary, right? And um, there was this great monk. His name is Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. You guys have probably heard of him before. He, he wrote a book, and I'm going to read the title because I always say the title wrong, but it's Practicing the, pr- practice, the Practice of the Presence of God. And he wrote this in like the 1600s. And people still today read this book. They're like, this is an amazing book. I mean, it's 400 years old. You've got to read this book. And when you read it, you're like, this guy was wise. He was so smart. And then you hear who he was. And you see Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection, he was a cook in a kitchen, at a monastery. And and he was like, he he felt like he had so many masters. He had everyone telling him what to do and how to do it. But he felt this inward draw to make the ordinary act of bread, of food, holy. No. He wanted to make it worship. See, we talk about that here, don't we? We say, well, how was the worship today? And we think that what we have to have to worship God is a certain, these certain things, these certain sounds, these certain experiences. But what Brother Lawrence of the resurrection did is he went and he saw an ordinary thing like baking bread, and he said, if, if I can serve you in this way today, God, if I can honor you in this way, it'll be worship. It'll be glorifying to you, and I'll be completely satisfied. Some of the things he wrote was exactly that. If I could only bake one piece of bread for you today, I will have been fulfilled. Because it's a glory to you, Father. He he had a way of seeing the extraordinary in everyday life. As a matter of fact, Brother Lawrence's story is even more interesting than that because, you see, the way he came to faith was he was a soldier serving and he was wasted he was shot he was exhausted and he had kind of given up and in his experience he saw this tree that it was near him and it was dead it was dormant and instead of seeing the dead tree what he saw was an eternal hope of resurrection an eternal God who says you say it's over but I say it's not over and he felt inside like he was done And into his soul, the God of the universe spoke and called him to life. And he finished serving, and he came back and tried his hand, and then he went to the monastery because he thought it was the best way that he could serve. And they made him a cook. And in all the ordinary things of life, he saw the extraordinary God, and in every way, he still blesses us. I would encourage you to read it if you haven't read that book. I'm going to share a scripture from Colossians. This is actually something I shared because it's a a good friend of ours, Carrie Adolph, quotes us all the time. It's her favorite text. She says about a lot of them. but This is her favorite one. She says, whatever you do, work from all your soul as unto the Lord Jesus and not as to men. She says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord, not to men. She says this to our youth who struggle to understand why they should care about school or why they should care about, you know, work at DQ or why they should care about anything. And she says, whatever you do, do it with everything that you have as unto the Lord, not men. And these are the words that we hear from scripture. We can all do these things every day, and it's so funny because we can lose sight of the fact that God is the audience, that God is the one who is watching. There's a problem this morning, and I'll, I'll share it with you. There's this idea sometimes when we come together as a church family and we're worshiping God, and we wonder what other people think. People who it's not made for. We come into the house of worship. We find reasons that we can't experience God, that we can't glorify God. And, and the truth is that he's just there waiting to be worshipped. And so it's funny because I'm, I think that we can miss the point. I think that I can miss the point. Everything that we do, we should do as unto the Lord, and that includes this. It includes everything in our lives. Now, here's what's funny about it, you see, because this is very spiritual. We say, well, yes, you know, the God of the universe is watching. And so, you know, the things that you do in private, you know, uh, do the things in private that you would want to be done in public, that idea that one day everything that's done in secret will be made known. And and that's kind of a scary concept because you go, God, you know, I did some bad things in the secret time, you know what I mean? But the truth is that, that all is known to the audience of one. And what's funny about it is we say it's spiritual, but the truth is it's more than that because the truth is that if you do these things, there's a real implication for life. I'll tell you a quick story. For a a period of my life, I worked for a really cool company, a big company. But the way I got into that company is I took the worst job. They they had this job that nobody wanted. You know what I mean? They had this job that if they would have went to their employees and said, hey, who wants the job? Nobody wanted the job. But I didn't work for that company. I worked for an even worse company. (laughs) And so I'm like, I'll take your worst job. And they're like, really? And I'll tell you what my job was. I was called to stock the coffee supplies for all the really smart people who made money for the company. And I just share this with you because I remember there was a point in my life where I had to make a decision how I was going to do this work. I mean I had to put like literally like coffee packets in the thing I didn't have to make coffee that was my only claim to dignity you know but here's the thing whenever you're hanging out at the coffee pot at the water cooler and you're making coffee and the other people come up in their suits and ties and they're like morning Bob morning Stan and they look at you and they go oh that's the coffee guy who wants to be that guy morning fellas you know what I decided I decided you know what if this is what I have to do I'm gonna do with everything that I have and so I got crazy serious about coffee I mean I made all the labels line up because I'm type A anyway, you know. I had to stock some paper supplies, I made sure they were always full. I asked people how you doing this morning. I'd get on my knees, I would crawl around under the stuff. I had no dignity. I didn't care. You know what happened though? People were like, wow, that guy's serious. He needs a better job. And I began to what? Climb the corporate ladder. I only laughed because I really did. I got myself to job where I had no business being, and then God took it away. Praise God. It was a plan for me. But there was something about it, and I'm not saying it was heroic, but it was humbling. It was hard. And it was this little thing. And, and there's this biblical truth that if you're faithful in this little thing, God will give you more. If you honor him and what he's giving you a chance to do, he'll give you something else to do. And so we can see the extraordinary and the ordinary. There's another passage of scripture I want to share with you, and it's from Jesus, his own mouth. And he says, he says this, this is from Matthew's gospel. And he says, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to my disciple, that person will certainly not lose their reward. I mean, he makes this so easy. He says, if, if you would just do one thing, here's the promise. You'll not lose your reward. I think of all of those who serve every week, all those who who make an effort each week, and I think about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who says, yes, that little thing, do that with all your heart. And here we have this very accessible, very ordinary thing to do. Who can't give a cup of cold water to somebody? Who couldn't do that? Right? I know that's some of what's going to happen. Here's your water. The third principle for everyday heroes is what we started with, and that's that uh, they laid down their lives for others. They laid down their lives for others. This comes from the Gospel of John where we just uh, began our service today. And we have uh, obvious examples you know, we talked about a few of those soldiers who give their lives for the freedom. You know what's funny, actually, I've heard, of, and I, I, you know, I've not served in the military, and that's my disclaimer all the time. I tried to serve, and I couldn't get in. But you know what's funny is that when I hear the guys talk about serving, they say, they say yeah, we're serving for the freedom of our country, but I'm serving for the guy next to me. I got his back. He's got my back. And that's the way they're serving us. But we think about those ways that they would lay down their lives for their friends. They laid down their lives for those around them, and we think about the soldiers who are at war. We think about police officers on the street who would brand, you know, who would dare to brandish a gun against someone who is willing to take a shot, you know. We think about firefighters, I'll never ever forget the ridiculous nature on on 9-11 when those guys pulled up to the front of the building, this, this ridiculous tower, and as people ran down, they ran up, it makes no sense. Or we think about now in our country, how we have these folks who are first responders, who do training exercises if we ever get attacked, they're going to be the first ones to run into the middle of the mess and try to make it right. And you see, we see those things and we hear those things and we think, oh, yes, that's how they lay down their life. There's this moment, this heroic moment. But those are the obvious examples. I want to talk to you today about some more subtle examples of how we can lay down our life. I want to look again at at what Jesus says. He says, my commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. And he says, greater love has no one than this that he would lay down his life for his friends. And when we think about laying down our life, we think about the ultimate sacrifice, but here's the truth. The scripture here teaches it's our breath, it's our life that you give up that you waste on someone else. Some people would say, well, I couldn't serve in the military, or my time is past, or I can't do that anymore, or I'm too young. It's about giving your life for someone else. Have you ever heard the term, it's a waste of my breath? This is what Jesus is talking about. Giving your life, your very being, for one another. Here's some subtle examples that I think we don't think about often, but I believe it's carrying a cross and laying down our life for a friend. How about a spouse or a friend, being a spouse or a friend who is willing to lose an argument? That's a hard one for me. One time we were playing this game, would you rather, and it said, I said, I've shared this with a few of you, so I apologize, but it said, would you rather be loving or be Right. You see, God tricked me with that one. Because I knew what I was supposed to say. But I knew what I wanted to say. Is it dying to yourself to lose an argument with someone to show love? Is it dying to yourself as if a parent, it's time for you to let go a little bit and trust God? or if you're a parent who's never tried to do anything for your kids, is it, is it an act of love, of dying to yourself to try to get beyond yourself and, and shepherd your children and, and serve them and be intentional and not accidental and then wonder later, what happened to my kids? Is it an act of laying down your life for a friend to be a student? who sees that kid over there by himself that nobody likes and to dare to risk your own relationships to walk across the room and start a conversation that feels a lot like laying down your life or is it laying down your life whenever you have your plans you know what you want to do you're all excited you gotta you gotta figure it out you know what's supposed to happen and then you've got to just lay that down because there's somebody that you love and it's just not going to work. It's not going to make sense. Repri- reprioritizing your life for love. This is the way that Jesus teaches us to love each other. And while there may be an opportunity that we could literally lay down our lives for one another, I think the harder work is every day to lay it down, to lay it down to lay it down one time Noah was a preacher named Fred Craddock and he said I always thought God wanted a big decision for me that I'm going to follow you and he said I feel like I wrote a million dollar check to God I'm going to follow you the rest of my life and he said what I realized is the next morning God said will you do it again and he said I realized after 40 years in ministry it was a nickel a time a nickel check every day I'll do it again I'll do it again what does your life look like Are you willing to pay that price? In verse 12, we see the hero, the archetype, the one who really is the most amazing, glorious thing ever. And this hero's name is Jesus, and he says this to us, my command is this, love each other in the same way, just like I loved you. And he did it every day. He did it every day. The amazing thing about Jesus is that on the cross, he didn't quit. And in the grave, he didn't quit. And in the resurrection, he didn't quit. And so today, I'm going to give you a chance to know him if you want to. And you know what? If you don't want to, he's not going to quit. He's going to keep loving you. Any one of us who has right standing with God has standing because of Christ on the cross and nothing else. It's the heart of worship. It's what we're about, is Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer, and if you don't know him, I'm going to ask you to, to just ask the question. If you're here, talk to me. Let me know. Pray a real prayer for a change. Pray a real prayer. Please join me. Father, this morning as we come into your house, the house of worship, uh, we realize that in our Savior, Jesus Christ, there is none greater. There's no, no one more equipped, no one able to save us except for him. And Father, as we've been drawn here because his name has been lifted up, we've had someone in our life who has said, Jesus is the answer, Jesus is the way. We've read stories in scripture about his ministry. We know the truth of your Holy Spirit. I pray that today we could pray a real real prayer that if we don't know you, we could say, Jesus, we want to know you as Savior. We want more than that, Father. We want to know Jesus as Lord. We want to know not that you're on our side, but that we're on your side. And, Father, we apologize. We confess that we give you orders, and that's sin. Father, we pray that you would tell us where we should be. You would compel us toward your purpose for our lives. And then, Father, we we know that we're incapable, and so in the Holy Spirit, we ask that you would enable us to be responsive to your gospel today. For every aching heart, for every person who is at the end of their rope, for every person who thinks, where can I go? I pray we would come to your feet, and that we would know you as Savior and Lord. This day, may you work in our hearts and our lives. May you, may you not be the plastic Jesus and a dash, but the real one that's leading us and guiding us and loving us into the kingdom of God. And may you shape us to be like you. That we would gladly, every day, follow you. We pray these prayers in the unmatchable name of Jesus, Lord and Sovereign. Amen. All right, well, have a seat real quick. We have one other thing we're going to do, and I'm going to need your microphone. So here's some things that are going on. It's so cool because, you know, God's doing so much stuff all at once. Sometimes it's hard to keep track of it all. But we said earlier we're going to talk about something called SMP. Is that what it's called, SMP? SMP? Deb, you want to come up here for a second? And um, and we have, and where's Tim at? Did he leave? Oh, he's in the back. All right, back growing it. You want to come up here for a second, Tim? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so Deb and Tim last summer—you didn't go. Tim last summer <laughs> came up here about this time.
1: Yep, about this time.
0: Before this church.
1: Yeah, this one. Yeah,
0: and said, "I'm gonna go do something." Yeah, don't stand in the light. I don't. That's not scriptural. Stand in the light, man. Oh, I'm kidding. It's too bright for you. Hang out in the darkness. All right. So, so anyway, you went last year and you did this thing, and it was so terrible. You're like, "I'm going again."
1: I was absolutely right. Yeah. 100 true.
0: So, what do you want to tell us about it? Um. Yeah. So I
1: guess it was like. Oh, perfect. Right. Is it? It's anyway, really I'll talk really loud. So I guess it was a year ago around this time. I came up and talked to you guys. I had become a Christian like six months before then. So now I guess it's been like a year and a half that I was a Christian. I came a Christian in a fraternity. And I was looking around and I was like, man, all these guys are super, super lost. And like, I heard this, this verse right here. And it says, it says, him we proclaim, talking about Christ, of course. Uh, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we can present everyone mature in Christ. And like what it wasn't saying was, okay Tim, someone's warning everyone and teaching everyone so you can just kind of chill out and watch Lost or whatever it is you do with your free time. And so I was like, okay, well obviously I have to talk to these guys because I can't guarantee that anyone else is ever going to talk to them because they're like 20s now, about to move off, live on their own. They may never speak to another Christian in their lives and like this is, this is my responsibility. And so fortunately, right before I became a Christian, I heard about this thing called Summer Mountain Project. And it's this 10-week thing. It's a big program. And we go there, and it was by far the most intense summer of my life. We go there. We have to work to pay to eat and all these things. We work eight, nine hours a day. And then right when we're done, we come back, and we get evangelism training. We get all this training. And then we go out and we share our faith. And it just really teaches us how to live a missional life our whole lives. Because it's like God didn't call us to to talk to people when it's convenient for us, or just, hey, if you see someone that you kind of feel like talking to, it's like, him. we proclaim, warning <laughs> everyone, teaching everyone. So I was like, man, I have to know how to do this. I have to have my life equipped for this. And so last summer I went and learned, grew a ton, started ministry in my fraternity. And I'm actually leaving the fraternity now to go back to the freshman dorms and do ministry there. But I guess I'm going to be done, because Deb wants to talk. So. Let me see there this a minute.
0: This is cute, but it's not doing anything. You know why? Because all the battery died.
1: It's all right. It's good for me.
0: <laughs> nope. <laughs> all right. Well, come this. Come on this.
2: I'm going to be awkwardly close to Pastor Bill. <laughs> okay.
0: Why is it awkward? Just because it's me? Go ahead. No, because it's me. Awesome.
2: Awesome. Okay. Um, and then for me, this summer, I was asked to go as a room lead which means I will be one enforcing policies such as dress code or curfew or whatever all those stickler issues that everyone has issues with. Um, and then I will also be leading a Bible study with the girls in my room which will be two to three different girls that could be girls that just came to Christ, could be girls that have been Christians since they were five years old. I don't know. I won't know until I get there. I really don't know what to expect at all, <laughs> kind of scary. Um, and I'll be in charge of helping them learn what Tim learned last year, of how to go out and share their faith. Really just coming alongside of them and living my life and attempting to do so in a way that honors God every day, like Pastor Bill was talking about uh, today. So it's gonna be a very challenging summer for both of us for different reasons um, in different capacities, Um, but it'll be one where we both learn a ton. Um, hopefully, we'll help others learn a ton while we're there. And we'll also be going out, like I think you mentioned, throughout Pigeon Forge and Gautenburg um, to evangelize and share. So, hopefully, while we're there, not only will our lives be forever changed and the lives of the people around us, but also the lives of the people that live there, of the people that are vacationing there. Um, hopefully, we'll get the gospel out that way. Um, and then Sierra and Kirsten are also coming. Do
0: yeah, I have them come up? I'm going to no longer
2: awkwardly close okay now I can stand close to her and her okay Um, and they've decided to come with us without knowing what they're getting into at all because they don't go to Bradley and they don't know much about campus outreach but they feel called so I'll let them share a little bit about why they've decided to come um, well for me next year I'm going to Seattle Pacific University and it is a Christian school but it's not mandatory to go to church or anything like that so I feel like this summer is going to train me very well for next year living in the dorms and how to reach out to others around me so I'm pretty excited for that and to have a better foundation of my faith and a new understanding and just um, a deeper relationship with Christ So I'm super stoked about this summer when I first heard about SMP I thought it sounded fun, but it wasn't for me, because I didn't want to give up my summer. I was thinking about all the stuff I could do, like go to Six Flags and (laughs) sit at home and read, which I love to do. (laughs) And then I just sat back and realized what I was thinking, and it wasn't Christ-based. So I'm going now.
0: (laughs) All right. Anything else you guys want to say? You guys good? Um, So what? I guess, yeah,
1: we're
2: good. Uh Uh-oh. Go ahead. So, we're up here today um, basically to let you know what we're doing so you can come alongside us as our church community. Um, I know that Tim and I consider this our home church, and obviously they do too. They're here like every week. Um, but we're up at Bradley. Anyway, just beside the point. So you guys can come beside us and pray for us and the lives that we're impacting and our lives and our hearts and just that God would be using us. And then if you do so desire or feel led um, to support us, because it is kind of expensive for, for college kids to try to do this, Um, but if you want to know anything else feel free to talk to us afterwards Um, be praying for us because God knows we need it because we are not perfect and we'll struggle a lot with a lot of things Um, so mom and dad will be here throughout the summer, give them hugs because they're officially empty nesters as of this week
0: (laughs) (laughs) very good All right, no, don't run off I know you're eager to get out of here. So real quick, if they, uh, I, I knew we were going to that place and that's good because we want to be part of your ministry this summer. My question is, do we, like, if we want to write a check or something like that, do we make it out to SMP? Does it have to be in a person's name? Campus outreach. Campus outreach is who it's written to. Does it, we, do we have to identify a person or is there, could we offset the cost for the four of you if we wanted to do that?
1: I mean, I'm sure they could. Yeah. yeah, just, yeah. All Either, way.
0: Either way. Either way. Yeah. Yeah. Campus Outreach. Okay, cool. So, so we can do that. Um, and you know how this stuff works here, so if you want to be part of that, you can, you can give it to Dean and Kim directly. If you, do, if you put anything in the green boxes in the back, uh, we will get it to them as well. Just make sure you mark it Campus Outreach on there so we know what it's for, okay? Um, and we'll definitely be supporting you through uh, prayer and hopefully giving as well. I think we will. And uh, God to work. Yeah, for sure, right? And if you're in the Pigeon for Jerry, you can go bug him. You got to go to Dollywood, though, right, or something this see. Yeah, but, Dollywood's. No. Yeah. Giving out water. Woo! Giving out cups of water. See, I said it's not that hard, so <laughs> praise God. Well, let's pray together, and then uh, we'll get on with our, our day today in worship. Uh, Father, I give you praise and thanks uh, for these young people who are hearing and responding to your word in their life, that it's not enough uh, that they would only hear and walk away unchanged, but they're actually willing to follow you. And we pray, Father, that you would uh, richly bless them, you know, that in their heart, in their very fibers of their being they know that they're responding to the god of the universe and they're doing your will and i pray that that's that they have that in them that they would know that they're serving you in this way i pray for every person just like when we're going anywhere that you're preparing hearts and minds to receive them as well and then in this church family, Father, if you're putting on someone's heart to be praying for them every day, I pray they would know that right now, that they could be praying each day for these four young people. I pray that we could pray for the ministry that they're going to do and the friends they're going to meet and the strangers they're going to talk to and that all these ways will be glorified, Father God. And, uh, and I just I pray that you know, we're eager to hear the report at the end of these 10 weeks about the work you've done, the way you've transformed them and you're shaping them, who you're calling them to be. So we give you praise and glory because this is your work, not ours. We didn't think this up and we can't even do it. But we give you glory because you've done it. In Jesus' name, amen.